What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is also the latest installment of the Locked On Blazers 2019-2020 season wrap-up. We've dedicated a full episode to every player on the roster, giving you a brief but thorough look at their season in Portland. We'll look at their performance this past season, discuss how and why they ended up on the roster, and then we'll close out the show looking ahead to the expectations and role for the 2021 season. This is our 13th and final installment of the season wrap-up, so if you've missed any, check your podcast feed and start catching up today. So for our final installment, the wrap-up of the wrap-up, let's talk about Carmelo Anthony. In 58 games with the Blazers, all starts, Carmelo averaged 15.4 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 32.8 minutes per game. He shot 43% from the floor and 38.5% from three-point range. The story of Melo probably isn't completely captured in the box score. He helped save the Blazers after the Blazers saved him. After a year away from the game, Melo agreed to sign a minimum deal with the Blazers on November 15th. He didn't officially sign the deal and join the team until November 19th. That's when he made his debut on the road at New Orleans in a game Damian Lillard missed. The Blazers were a wreck and Melo arrived to save them. More on that in the second segment. In that debut, Melo scored 10 points, and he looks like a 35-year-old trying to find his rhythm. He'd been away from basketball for a year, and he looked like it. He had his moments, smooth-looking jump shot, some mellow, doing some mellow things, but for the most part, he shot poorly and looked like a guy who was a year removed from, from basketball. But two nights later, he had 18 points in a loss at Milwaukee. Looked pretty good. Followed that with 11 points in a nightmare loss to Cleveland. Melo looked fine in that first week. The team was really not good. They were in a very bad place. But Melo was already starting to show those signs that he could be a positive contributor. In his second week with the team, though, that's when our boy Melo found his groove. He had 25 points and 8 boards against the Bulls. Followed that up with 19 points against OKC. And then the Bulls back in Portland, he put up 23-11 and 11 against them to close out the week. He won, probably undeservedly, but still righteously earned the NBA's Western Conference Player of the Week award. You remember that James Harden scored 60 points in three quarters that week. He probably should have gone to James Harden, but it went to Mello. We were celebrating his return. He was good. Really good. And the Blazers went 3-0, and and he was a big reason why. And it was proof just six games into his tenure, that he could help. You saw signs of it, but now there was tangible things you could point to. Here's Carmelo Anthony absolutely giving NBA teams the business and helping the Blazers who were sputtering, rescuing them all of a sudden. Who would have guessed? So that week, that player of the player of the week week ended up being the first two out of 18 games in which Carmelo scored 20 or more points in a Blazers uniform. A stat that probably doesn't mean much, but also sort of explains Melo's value, is that the Blazers were 12-6 and when he scored at least 20 points. He was a welcomed and needed third scoring option. The Blazers weren't a good defensive team with Melo or a good rebounding team with him on the floor, but guess what? They were also bad at those things when he didn't play and his offense helped. 
Melo's signature moment in a Blazers uniform, at least before we get to the bubble, and we'll get there soon, but his signature moment in a Blazers uniform came at Toronto on January 7th, when he had 28 points and 7 rebounds and hit the game-winning mid-range foul line jump shot to beat the defending champs. Blazers got the ball back in the waning seconds. CJ McCollum jab-stepped a kajillion times. He eventually found Mello, who took a one-dribble pull-up at the foul line. Cash. Blazers win. Blazers win after Kyle Lowry missed a deep three-pointer at the buzzer. It was Mello's best game as a Blazer for my money. Uh, He had bigger scoring nights. He had bigger rebounding nights. But that was the signature moment when he was just... When it, when it all came together, he had a big scoring night and a big moment in the clutch in Toronto, beating a good team, helping the Blazers beat a really good team. More than points, more than box score stuff, more than even those moments, is I, I really just can't overstate how much the players, from Damian Lillard to Moses Brown, literally everyone in the locker room, loved and revered Carmelo Anthony. I'll talk about more of that in the third segment, but there was an aura about Carmelo Anthony and the players respected and gravitated towards him. There was they he was he brought a cachet and an impressive resume and the Blazers players loved him in the locker room. Just genuinely loved him. I I I cannot overstate that. For so many guys, he was a player they rooted for growing up and then all of a sudden he was this living legend in the locker room who was helping them win games and offering them some sort of sagely advice. That includes Damian Lillard who went to Carmelo Anthony for advice on sort of how to be the guy, how to be a franchise player, how to deal with all of the things that come with that. I wasn't around the team a whole lot. Uh, I I went to every home game and I was in the locker room for all those games. And I could just sense from even after the trade when they acquired... Caleb Swanigan back and Wenyan Gabriel and, and Trevor Reza, all those dudes also gravitated to Melo, appreciated him, listened to him. He he had real gravitas, but he was also useful on the court. And I think that helped with his his gravitas, his aura, his cachet. Um, he was particularly balling in Orlando. He helped the Blazers make the playoffs by hitting a bunch of clutch shots. In fact, when they got to the bubble, Mello went 6-for-10 from deep inside the five-minute mark when games were within five points. He hit two go-ahead three-pointers in the final 90 seconds in the opening game of the bubble against Memphis. Blazers down two, cash. Blazers down one, cash. Mello pushes them over the top. He hit a top-of-the-key three to put the Blazers up five with under a minute left against Houston. Maybe their best win early on in the bubble when you thought, okay, this is, you know, they're doing it. They're beating good teams. Melo hit a huge three against his former team. He hit a left-wing three to tie the game with just over two minutes left against the Dallas Mavericks. That game, Damian Lillard basically willed them back by drawing an inordinate number of fouls and just being awesome. But they don't win that game without a huge, huge left-wing three by Melo with just over two minutes remaining. And then down five, four minutes left against Brooklyn. Game playoffs on the line. They lose to Brooklyn. They go home. Melo hit a spot-up three from the corner. Damian Lillard drives, kicks out to Melo. Cash. Now all of a sudden, it's a two-point game with four minutes left. Time for some magic. And Melo helped key the run. And then in game one against the Lakers in the playoffs, Carmelo Anthony gets the ball on the left wing with two and a half minutes left. And the Blazers up three. And steps into a three-pointer cash, gives the Blazers a six-point lead, puts the game on ice, or at least gives the Blazers enough distance that they can hold on and win and upset the Lakers in the first round. 
Blazers don't make the playoffs without Carmelo Anthony. They don't win those games without his performances. He was all of the things you expect a guy with his resume to be. When the when the moment got big and the Blazers needed someone not named Dame and someone not named CJ to hit a shot, something that has been has haunted this team for five years, basically. They finally had someone who wasn't Mo Harkless and Al Farouk Aminu or Evan Turner on the wing, and it was Carmelo Anthony, a guy with a shiny resume and a smooth-looking jumper, and he cashed in. You shoot 60% from three for two weeks in the clutch, you're going to be appreciated. The Blazers appreciate him a great deal before he hit those shots, and they certainly appreciate him a great deal afterwards. That was the mellow experience. A commanding force in the locker room, a clutch presence in the bubble, and some offense when they needed it during the regular season. In the second segment, typically in these player capsules, I have gone through the best and worst case scenarios for every guy in the roster. These were things that I did last September, September 2019, over a year ago when training camp was happening. But Mello wasn't on the roster, like I said, didn't join the team till December. So instead, we're going to revisit why he ended up here. Why, why did the Blazers sign him when they did? You probably remember, but I think it's worth revisiting what we considered heading into training camp, how that led directly to Carmelo Anthony. So that's what we'll talk about in the second segment, how the roster was constructed to make Mello a necessity. But before we do that, I want to tell y'all about Bill Bar. You know Bill Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Look, these things taste good. I'm not lying to you. They've sent your boy a box. I enjoy them. They're delicious. 18 amazing flavors. They're all covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're like a candy bar type texture. If you've messed with any other protein bars in the past, you know that they can be chalky and dry and gross. That's not what Built Bar is. They're delicious. They just taste good. That's the trick is they made a really good tasting protein bar. If you're like me, you're at home. There's chances to snack on things and try to fuel up on things that are unhealthy and don't fuel you up. Built Bar doesn't do that. First of all, it tastes better than a lot of the other options, and it's also a worthwhile snack for the health conscious among us. It's low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. It's good for you, and it tastes good. Go buy some of these bars. Do that by going to BuiltBar.com, using that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's a promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We talked about Carmelo Anthony's 2019-2020 season with the Blazers. Typically in these player capsules, I have turned back the clock here. We've revisited with Michael from the past to talk about the best case and worst case scenarios that I laid out back in September 2019 heading into training camp. But Carmelo Anthony wasn't on the roster in training camp. I wasn't laying out best case and worst case scenarios because I didn't know he would be in the league. But I think those best case and worst case scenarios, there's one worth revisiting to kind of explain how we got here, how the Blazers roster construction made signing someone like Carmelo Anthony and maybe even specifically Carmelo Anthony inevitable. Let me play you my kicker from the Zach Collins worst case scenario that I laid out. This is just a real quick hitter of what I said, maybe the the simplest worst case scenario for Zach Collins heading into his third NBA season and what it might mean for the Blazers. The worst case for Zach Collins is that the Blazers are wrong. 
Collins isn't ready for the specific role they seem to have designed for him, and the franchise is left turning to the likes of Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver, and then eventually the trade market to make up for its power forward hole. Well, look, it wasn't that Zach Collins wasn't ready. It was that Zach Collins got hurt two and a half games into the NBA season, dislocated his shoulder, kept him out probably until late March or April if the season had gone normally, but July. And that left the Blazers with the with the options that I laid out. Mario Zonia, Anthony Tolliver, and eventually Nazir Little. Right before they signed Carmelo Anthony, Nazir Little was the solution at power forward. And he wasn't the solution at power forward because he was a good option. He was the solution at power forward because he was the best option. So it made signing Carmelo Anthony a necessity. It was the worst case scenario for a, a Blazers team that did not have power forwards on the roster came to fruition. And it came to fruition in a believable way. Guys get hurt. And I don't think it's super stunning that minimum free agent signings, Anthony Tolliver and Mario Hozonia weren't very good. It's kind of the nature of guys signing minimum contracts. They're mostly replacement level and below type players. All of those things. Zach Collins being the only reasonable solution at power forward, two bad free agent choices behind him, and then a rookie meant that signing Carmelo Anthony became inevitable. It meant that they had to do it in December. And the Blazers offered Carmelo Anthony what he couldn't, what he didn't get other places, right? Like, he wasn't out of the league only because he looked washed up in Houston and OKC. That's, I mean, he was, he got sent home from Houston because he was not very good, and then he refused to take a reduced role. They were just not going to play him, and instead of having him act out or do all of the things that you might do if you have the resume like Carmelo Anthony and Gary Clark is playing over you, they just said, go home. We're not going to play you. Might as well go home. And he was away from the team until January until they eventually traded him and he got waived. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony's Bulls tenure. And look, Melo, when he was on the roster, like the Blazers' other power forward options, he had his flaws. Like I said, they were not a good rebounding team. Despite maybe his uh, reputation as a good rebounder, the Blazers were a very bad rebounding team with him in the starting lineup. They weren't a good defensive team. I mean, duh. <laughs> Look at the roster. Him and uh, Hassan Whiteside up front with Damon CJ in front of him is not exactly a great defensive group. It's hard to believe that team would be good on defense. They turned out to be very bad. And there are some advanced metrics that say that Carmelo Anthony was actually bad. Capital A, capital B. So, like, if you want to hit me with win shares and value over replacement player and real plus minus, I'll agree with you. Carmelo Anthony was flawed, imperfect, not good on some nights. But why I played you that Blazers audio, why I played you that audio from September 2019 is to point out that the Blazers didn't have any other better options, and I'm not sure there was another better option just waiting out on the street willing to sign a minimum contract who could be plugged into the starting lineup and be helpful when it mattered. Carmelo Anthony wasn't great, but he was really useful, the team really loved him, and he helped when it mattered in the most important games of the season. To me, that's worth the whatever risk there was. The Blazers' season went sideways fast, and Mello didn't exactly immediately rescue them. He helped a little bit, then Rodney Hood busted his Achilles, and the season went sideways again. And they might not have made the playoffs in normal circumstances. I think they had a darn good chance, without the COVID hiatus, to be right there in the playoffs. They were going to play Memphis a couple more times, blah, 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 blah. 
But they did make the playoffs, and Carmelo was a big part of that. And the season wasn't what they wanted, but to me, I have a hard time saying Melo was the problem, or even a problem. He was a 35-year-old who turned 36 before the bubble started. He's going to have his flaws. He's never been a perfect player, but he he helped. I just you just can't convince me that I'm I am statistically inclined myself, but the nerds cannot convince me of their fellow nerd that Melo was actually bad. Sorry. Probably a hard time convincing me he was actually good too, but he was helpful. And helpful enough to come back, which is what I want to talk about in the third segment. Carmelo Anthony has stated he wants to come back for the 2021 season. Is that a good idea? So we'll talk about in the third segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Roman. It can be awkward to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves. But Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple, too. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. So go complete an online visit today and connect with the doctor and take care of it. Here's what you do. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get $50 off your first month of ED treatment and a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. We're still talking about Carmelo Anthony. We discussed his 2019-2020 season. We discussed how and why he ended up on the roster. And I gave you my take to the I gave my take to the haters. Carmelo was necessary and imperfect. That might be the case in 2021. Carmelo Anthony wants to come back. Let's hear him tell you about it. I I I pray that I could it, it, it could be Portland. Uh honestly, you know, think that I found a home in Portland. Uh, you know, I got comfortable with the organization. Uh, I got comfortable with the guys on the team. They got comfortable with me. Uh, and, and at this point in, in, in my career, um, I, I, I do think that that's the best fit for me, the best situation, especially having this experience now and, 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 and kind of just getting my feet wet and just coming in and just being who I am and staying true to myself. <clears throat> I really hope that it can be, you know, Portland at, at the end of the day where, uh, you know, we, we give ourselves a chance to keep this team together, you know, get guys healthy uh, and, and, and get another run at it. A couple things there. Mello wants to come back. He's been clear about it. That interview I just played you, that audio I just played you is from the immediately after the Blazers were eliminated by the Lakers in his post-game press conference, which was effectively his exit interview because the Blazers didn't hold media after they left Orlando. He basically, he, he said straight up, he didn't basically do anything. He said straight up, he prays that he's back in Portland. He wants to be back. And he said that since then too in other interviews. Mello keeps saying he wants to be back with the Blazers. He's been pretty consistent. At this point, I assume he'll be back. 
The other thing he says is that the Blazers is that he the, he got to be himself, and I think that's one of the keys that the Blazers let him be. They they let Melo be Melo. They gave him touches on the block, let him isolate in the mid post. They didn't just make him space out and shoot clutch three pointers. Certainly, they did that when the game was on the line, and it's like, okay, Dame's going to have the ball in his hand. Here's how you get in where you fit in. But during the regular season and during the course of a game, Melo got his isolation touches. He got to go to work. He got they let Melo be Melo, do what he wants to do. It's not always a great plan to post up at 17 feet and jab step a bunch, but the Blazers are let him play to his identity, and that's the important part. So the question, I assume he'll be back. He wants to be back. The question is, at what cost? The thing about proving you're a capable NBA contributor is that you have proved that you are a capable NBA contributor. Other NBA teams have seen Melo be effective and also his willingness to take a lesser role. He wasn't willing to do what he did in Oklahoma City and in Houston after he left New York. He wasn't he wasn't willing to take this lesser role to be the third guy to be to not be a star, to not have the megawattage of Melo. He got his body right, he got his mind right, he was humbled by those experiences, spent 10 years out of the league or 10 years, 10 months out of the league, basically 12 months out of the league. And when he returned, uh you know, 10 months removed from an NBA roster and 12 months removed from playing in an NBA game, he was he was helpful. But he wasn't helpful as a star. He was helpful as a role player. And that is a big distinction. I don't think he get, I don't think, I think the failures in OKC and Houston allowed him to have success in Portland. And I don't think if you flip the timeline around and he gets to Portland first, I don't think he has the same success. I think he needed to have those humbling moments with, in two other stops to, to realize what he, what it was going to need from him to take this next step in his career, to continue his career. The Blazers gave Melo something that I don't think other teams were willing to give, and that was a starting role and a, and a big minute role. I assume he wasn't in the league because, not because he was just unplayable and bad, it's because he wanted to play on a relatively competitive team and he didn't want to be an end-of-the-bench spectator. And I think his representation, and he made that clear to other teams that might have considered acquiring him after his breakup with the Houston Rockets. The Blazers offered that, and I assume heading into the next season, this next season, Melo still has the same expectations, demands, preferences, whatever you want to call it. That that preference, that ex- expectation might depress his market a little bit because other teams interested in his services might not have that role available to him. And to be clear, I don't think the dude is going to sign on an actively shitty team. I think he wants to be in the playoffs and fighting for the playoffs at the very least. And I also think he wants to be specifically back with the Blazers. He keeps saying it. You have to trust him at some point. But it seems like if he had other suitors, it would be about the same price as he signed with the Blazers, around the league minimum. If Melo wants more money than that for respect reasons, he doesn't need any more money, but it's there's a certain cachet that says, I'm not a minimum player. I'm a, I'm, I want to sign for above the minimum. Then the then the, there are questions that rise about whether the Blazers, how the Blazers handle him. But if he's willing to sign for the minimum and he's willing to come back, I don't, there's, that's a no-brainer. Regardless, I don't think there's another team that's swooping in with a large multi-year deal that's going to drast, be drastically different from what the Blazers are going to offer him. It's about role and opportunity more than it's about money. That's my read. And Melo says he wants to be in Portland. So like I said, I expect him to be back. I expect him to be on the team. Whether it's a good idea to start a 36-year-old Carmelo Anthony at power forward in 2021 is a debate for another day. But if 
you're asking me my expected role for Carmelo Anthony is that he will either be the starting power forward or still play 25 plus minutes a night at that spot. He's not going to come back and the Blazers aren't going to bring him back to be a 12 minute a night guy. If Melo's back, he's playing. Whether he starts over Zach Collins, we'll talk about it at a future date. Whether either one of those guys closes games at the four spot or some other player that joins the roster, we'll, we'll talk about that at a later date. But my expectation for Carmelo Anthony is that he's coming back be wearing the pinwheel again next year. He says he wants to do it. The Blazers have been sending signals that they want him back. So the reunion's going to happen. Big minute mellow. Year two with the Blazers in 2021. Get excited. Before we get out of here, just like on a personal level, I really liked the Carmelo Anthony experience as a reporter. He was engaging. He listened to questions. He made eye contact. He answered them with full thoughts. If you disagreed with something he said, he would listen to your disagreement and restate. He was genuine and professional, and he did all that while having more media demands than any player on the team that isn't Damian Lillard. And on the road, the more more media demands than any player that's been on the Blazers in my six years around the team. He was as, he is the biggest celebrity they've ever had, and yet he still treated me, someone who was around the team only at home games, with a great deal of respect. He was a joy to work with. So bring Mello back because I I I enjoyed the Mello experience. That's just a, a personal anecdote from your boy, but I'm gonna bring you guys in the locker room with me on this podcast. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna be clear about my biases. I'd enjoy doing interviews with this guy. I'll enjoy it again if he's back on the team. It doesn't mean I think he should get more touches at 18 feet. He should less touches at 18 feet, okay? Less mellow post-ups, same number of mellow interviews. It'll all be good. So I said it at the top of the show, and let's let's remind you now, this is our final installment of the player wrap-ups, of the, of the Lockdown Blazers 2019-2020 season wrap-ups. We did player capsules for every single guy on the roster. So you can go back in your feed right now if you missed them, and and check out all the podcast labeled season wrap up. They've been I've been rolling them out over the last five weeks. They're there waiting for you. They're a great way to just sort of remember how guys contributed, or to if you have a friend who's trying to get into the team to kind of set the stage for each player on the roster. They're short. They're bite size. I'm proud of them. Check them out. Share them. I appreciate you. Also, tell your friends about this podcast in general. It's available wherever you already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.